Oh, oh we picked the same background. Okay. Uh, our, uh, well, this is Movies, a podcast about the act of cinema. And if you are not watching the video version of this over on Patreon.com slash Loris, you just missed that Hans and I picked the same Dick Tracy background. How are you doing today? Fucking hack. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I'm all right. How's it going? Uh, it's 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 going here. I have uh, I have dinner waiting for me, so we have to make this a very prompt, concise episode, especially since we've got uh, potentially a meeting after this. Silent, quiet, right? Top secret meeting. Uh, this this is your first. I think this is your first ever pick for a movie on movies, right? Probably, yeah. Without you mentioning anything about it, yeah. I don't even remember how. How do we even? think of this i don't even remember i uh we were i mean it was on the ai steven spielberg episode and i th- what were we talking about the gordon ramsay mask oh, right. guy? Yeah. I, I don't know i yeah. that guy a lot of people were comparing that look to some of the villains here in dick tracy i didn't know that uh what was his name flat top head flathead yeah. uh was william Forsythe. had no clue there's a uh, Dustin Hoffman too. Uh, it's Mumbles and uh, James Caan. There's a lot of uh, recognizable faces in, in this one uh, that you can even tell it's them, even though they're wearing a rubber mask. But it, it, it adds to to the charm of it. I think. Yeah, all of Warren Beatty's famous friends came out for this. It's a very stacked cast in this movie, Dick Tracy. I did not get to look at the pre-production history of this. It seems like such an odd pick. You know what it kind of feels like? It, it feels like Batman came out in 89 and Warren Beatty was like, well, I want to play Batman. Well, who's like mm-hmm. Batman? Who can I draw upon? Well, he's got a sidekick and everything called The Kid. All right, I guess I'll be Dick Tracy. And it leans into the 1940s comic strip, Colorful Nature, something closer to probably like Adam West Batman. Uh, in that regard, even if it feels totally more in line to the Tim Burton Batman, even especially with that Danny Elfman score, it feels like leftovers that were not used for that movie. 
it feels like a side story from the original Batman movie before mm-hmm. before it went full uh, Tim Burton. Um, yeah. The cinematography and the 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 um, even the lenses they use. A lot of the shots look very similar to to that Batman movie, and and that soundtrack does feel like B sides from from the Batman soundtrack. Definitely. They had that timeless element of the 1989 Batman where they were merging the 1980s with the 1940s or 1930s. Uh, And then obviously with this, this feels more like if you merged that aspect of the production design from 89 Batman into something more aligned with the 60s, what was it, ABC sitcom Batman. Yeah. You know, and it surprisingly works very well. Uh, I've always dodged this movie. I thought it always looked ridiculous. Never caught my attention. I didn't consider Dick Tracy like a real comic book thing, property. uh, Because there were a lot of these obscure characters that were just pulled out of retirement after Batman. And we've talked about this before with the Shadow, with the Phantom. I just put Dick Tracy in that same pantheon. But having watched it last night, I enjoyed it much more than I was really expecting to and just ha- had an appreciation for a lot of the creative effort that went into this movie how all the bad guys not just some of them, all everybody who is bad sans maybe like dick van dyke uh, is wearing some form of prosthetic to let you visibly know that this pockmarked fat-faced uh cretin is a bad yeah. guy you know well uh i was a fan uh of the comic growing up not because i was born in the 40s but before whenever it was out but because you know in latin america we get everything recycled and we we get we get it well we used to at least before the internet 20 years later uh so these would come in like our newspapers or i would just get them at, at the store along with my other comic books that I would get. So I was always into the, the the character, but mostly into the villains because um, the creator, I can't remember his name right now, something gold, because of course, uh, he, uh, he made sure that every villain uh, had something on their face that you could tell uh, that was wrong with it, some type of deformity, some type of something uh, that would make them bad. And they did a really, really great job at, at bringing that onto the screen, especially because uh, it added a lot to the cartoony effect of it. Um, and it, I, I feel like it balances the, the feeling between a, like a, an old pulp, like a noir movie and something like a Roger Rabbit movie. Oh yeah, at, no, at times it, it feels something It definitely like feels like who framed Roger Rabbit, especially with a lot of the matte painting backgrounds, which aren't even matte paintings, but just animations. It, it, yeah. it feels like a 2D excursion in that Roger Rabbit world. And that's something, too, that I guess 1940s comic book artists and um, writers really had on point is people with deformities do become evil once you give them any sense of authority. That is the <laughs> lesson that has been learned in the 21st. And an obese woman will be the most evil person you ever meet if she's given an ounce of power. And that's why we have all these characters like prune face and no fit everybody's face yep. in this movie no face uh little face what's his name it was that the character with a giant fat head in a small... at the beginning yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> at the beginning of that uh intro scene and uh right from the start that, that's the the great thing about this because just like you um i used to put it in the same category as something like howard the duck 
where it's like an early attempt at a comic book movie, but they got it wrong. And I don't know exactly why, because I'd really never seen anything other than stills uh, from this movie. But I guess just seeing a couple of the masks, I was kind of like, okay, I don't think, you know, this feels like before they learn how to make this type of movie. So I, I never bothered with it. And right from the start, the way they, they, they set everything up, uh, you know, giving us the point of view of the kid, uh, just to introduce us into this weird world with these kind of monster characters. Uh, and then right there, it sets the tone of uh, like an old noir uh, story. Uh, and then uh, it only takes, yeah, like a couple of minutes for you to know exactly what you're getting into. Uh, and uh, I think it, it works great from, from beginning to end. What did you think of some of the villains in this movie? Because they are very distinct. Al Pacino's performance in Dick Tracy feels verbatim like Rob Brydren's impression of him in the trip movies. It's yeah. like, this feels like the, the point in his career where he just decided I'm going to be a two dimensional character and speak with this voice for every performance. But this is 1990. Was this before, uh, what is this um devil's what is devil's it? advocate was 97 yeah 1997 okay. was the year that warner brothers almost went bankrupt with all their terrible movies they had devil's advocate i, I think that was 97 um they really had to scale it back by 99 it could have been 98 or 99 they had devil's advocate batman and robin steel it was a terrible year for warner brothers that's something that we've been we've been doing a lot lately on this show is covering a lot of People popping up in my background. Uh, a lot of late 20th century Warner Brothers films. This feels almost like that, even though it is a touchstone picture. It's a Disney product. But you don't get that impression. It was still a time where you could have creative freedom working for the Disney Corporation. And I think that probably peaks in the mid-90s with Weinstein working for Miramax and the acquisitions that that, that happened there. Uh, and now it's just completely gone. Like, I couldn't imagine uh, a superhero movie like this uh, coming to pass in the modern environment, even if as we, like, kind of transition into doing streaming more. Well, you couldn't because of the physical deformities, right? Oh, right. Yes, he's a dated character. You'd have a thing at the yeah. beginning of the movie saying, oh, this is a product of its time. It, yeah, it would have to be the opposite. So every good person is the form and every bad person is just a white guy. Right. Uh, they would have to do it that way. and It doesn't really work. Uh, I was looking at uh, Al Pacino's um, IMDb just to see what he did around the time. And it's it's honestly movies that I've never seen, like Sea of Love or He had Godfather Revolution. the same year. I think Godfather 3 came out in Godfather 3. Yeah, so, so this was still like respected Al Pacino, right? He was still... I guess not seen as a as kind of a caricature of himself as he is now. No, not yet. I guess, but, but he goes all in, and that's the thing that I enjoy enjoy the most about about him and his performance. That he just went full in. He's fucking slapping Madonna around and <laughs> grabbing her ass, and just his performance. I I found him to be really really funny, uh, and yeah. just how. How much he just threw himself out there with this character that's maybe the mo the most over the top character that I've ever seen him play uh, on purpose, you know, not not just like a personal choice. It's like it, the character needed it, and he, you know, well, all out. 
I do feel like it was still probably early in the whole soup. I mean, there was a point in the mid nineties or the mid late nineties, I think right after Batman forever, where a certain caliber of actor would just not do a comic book or superhero property. And you would definitely put Al Pacino in that category at the time where he still has all his respectability in place from the 1970s, from the late 1970s, from doing movies like Godfather one and two and dog day afternoon. Um, you know, cruising was probably a low light in his career. Uh, but I mean, even still, like people came around at the to that. time. I guess. Yeah. 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 So yeah. You, you have 1990. Godfather three is coming out and there's a big hubbub about that, even though it did wind up, I think, critically being a failure. Uh, and I don't think it made a whole whole lot of money. Um, it was, I think, a brief enough window after Batman 89 to get involved in something like this before you would be looked down upon for it. And he does ham it up in a completely over-the-top manner. He gets right into it, like you were saying. It's a very Penguin-esque character. And uh, he really highlights his shortness in this movie. He looks like a tiny, yeah, yeah. even with his hump and everything. Uh, compared to like, when he's standing next to Madonna and the other love interest, what's her name? Tess. Um, I don't know the uh, actress's name. He looks no. very she was like micro. A 90s. She was like a, she was like a nineties actress that I, one of those like Tia Leone or, mm -hmm. you know, Tia Leone looking actresses <laughs> from yes. the nineties. Uh, I love the physicality of it, uh, because he wasn't only just like a, a hunchback, uh, with that face but also the way he moved that long uncomfortable scene of him trying to teach the women how to choreograph the dance or whatever uh that was so great just because of how how the character moved and how passionate he was about everything that was happening which was very gay uh, and he's just like this evil gangster with like this weird body and just yeah i i, I one of my favorite pacino performances if i like throw a little bit of uh exaggeration there just because of how how you know deep he threw himself into this character yeah so i i just looked it up real quick this movie was in production as early as 1975 so this was a character that i mean i think it, it probably got ushered in because of batman uh they did start production on it in early 1989 um which would have been i think they would have probably been hyping up batman that was a june release of 1989 so that was in the, the public conscious at, at the moment uh, but i guess this was a character that warren Beatty had his eye on as early as maybe close to 15 years before that and just nothing happened with it um w w which is kind of interesting i don't know anything about the history of dick tracy as a pop culture character do you could you shed any light on that do you know anything at all i wasn't around when it was a thing over there mm -hmm. so not really like the knowledge i have of it is just knowledge that i learned from reading it when i was a kid so i yeah. I, I have no idea what the culture relevance is i'm sure that it was one of those big oldie time before marvel and dc comics but uh i don't know i don't yeah. know who else was in that in that and like like doc Snoopy savage and, and uh all i'm captain america before he johnny was at marvel. quest johnny was johnny quest one of those original comic strip characters not not sure what about something like Heathcliff? Or, Heathcliff, Dilbert. Uh, Dilbert was was uh, funneling out Marmaduke World War II or... propaganda. Marmaduke's no, anti-Japan stance. Dilbert, Dilbert's not from 1930. What? What are you talking about? Yeah, I own strips from the 1920s, 1928. There's, 
And it was even simpler drawings because it was way earlier. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, well, this is from the 30s, right? I think this is the, the 30s is when, when the Dick Tracy came out first. So I guess Peanuts is around that time, right? Uh, family, I don't think so. I think, I think the Peanuts circus. comic strip came out in the 1950s. Like Charles Schultz lived until, oh, I don't know, probably like 99, 2000. I don't I, I'm, I'm not really sure. I, I just know that they gained... It would seem weird if they were around in the 1920s and then suddenly gained popularity in the 1960s and 70s. Right. Well, let's say the Shadow Conan, Lone Ranger, Flash Gordon, the Phantom, the Green Hornet. Those are from the 30s, apparently. Yeah. So yeah, those are all 1930s time, yeah. characters. Um, yeah. So what do you think of his performance? Dick, uh, uh, Warren Beatty or yeah, I, I mean, he's Warren Beatty and everything. He always gives like a standard, like certain level of performance. He doesn't quite have the charisma of like a Jack Nicholson type. Right. So he's not, yeah. he's not necessarily a very charismatic leading man, but he does have a commanding he's performance. He's very Kevin Costner ish. Yeah. To me. But he feel he feels uh -huh. like, he feels like the origin of that he feels like the prototype of that where it seems like he has some sense of personality even if he's not conveying it um and kevin costner right. or a uh, a bill pullman type does not really have that they're just kind of wallpaper right 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 yeah i i also don't think that the character needed much just like uh just like bruce wayne in the batman movie because we mostly focus on uh, even though we do follow him a lot, I think the 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 performance that needed it the most was that Pacino character, just to to up the the evil in that character, just to show the you know the what do you call it like the gang leader thing. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I, I never felt that like he was out of place, or, or felt that anyone else could have done a a better job, just because I I, I don't think that character needed much more than that typical detective uh performance from the 30s you know where it's very kind of one note ish yeah uh not very emotional not very yeah just one one note really did you think that madonna's performance made her feel out of place i that was the one thing that i didn't really like about the movie uh her i i understand that it, this type of movies need to have like a femme fatale character right but I, I, and I don't know if it was just the constant singing that at a point I was like oh, oh right another fucking song number five or number six already in a montage or something but um, I, I, I get what they were trying to do with her and her character but I didn't really care for that subplot of you know, is this going to be a romantic thing that may happen or may not? You know, and then again, I get I, I guess it's one of those factors from that genre. But she she did feel like out of a, a different era, not this one, you know? Yeah, like a little bit like a little too modern, I guess. I agree. This is supposed to be. And her acting. I mean, look, her acting's not necessarily like uh, bad. Right. But she sticks out, in my opinion, compared to the other actors that are involved in the production, because you have the A-list stars, right, who are giving very over the top performances. And then you have the background actors who maybe you don't really know by name, 
like the kid and uh, Tess. You know, these are not well-known actors, but they're still delivering a similar type of performance that fits within this world. And yeah, like you're saying here, uh, Madonna is just kind of Madonna and she feels Mm -hmm. not quite like it would be like if if you threw Lady Gaga into who framed Roger Rabbit or something, you know, Um, it it doesn't quite I don't think it I don't think it doesn't work. I do think she's a good choice for the role visually because she fits that femme fatale, you know, model very well. But I don't know if I don't know if she winds up taking away a little bit from the movie that uh, could have been retained with another actress. But she was also at the height of her career at this point. I feel like the late 80s is prime time for Madonna, where maybe it was 1990 as well or or early 90s, where she just hired Abel Ferreira and Harvey Keitel to make a movie with her, like a total vanity project. Um I haven't seen it. I've heard it's actually pretty good, but I, I, what? I know. yeah. Is that what I, she's just naked? She's I, just naked I think there's a lot of sex hair. in it with Harvey Keitel. <laughs> it's just her and Harvey Keitel being intimate for 90 minutes. I think, uh, uh, one of the problems that I had with her performance is that, uh, we, we're supposed to choose between these two female characters that he's in the middle of. Right. But they made one of them really boring and, and then her, she's the complete opposite of what the other character is supposed to be. But uh, to you know what you said, your point, uh, you have famous people, famous actors in this movie that don't really stick out because they stay within the the lines of the character. Yeah. So even someone like uh, what's his name, Mandy, Mandy Patinkin. Yes. From yeah. Criminal him. Minds. Yeah, yeah. He plays. This really, this piano player that's that whenever he's on, on, on screen or whenever he gets lines, he's very weird and the way he, he laughs and everything. So that character has a lot of personality, but you, you don't think, oh, that's Mandy, but whatever, playing that character. You just think that's the character. With Madonna, the biggest problem is that you, you feel like, okay, that's Madonna. And it feels like she, she's just been put into this world where she's still Madonna, but we're pretending that she's someone else. So maybe changing her look a little bit or doing something different with the way that she's presented as a character would have worked a little bit better because she does feel like like she sticks out from this like world like she's not fitting properly just like everyone else uh, that uh, even though you know people like James Caan who's on screen for like a minute I think yeah uh, or he, even he's uh, rushed out of there he he had seemingly no interest in being in this movie he has about two lines he goes outside you don't even scene. get to see him blown he's in up this scene yes he's yeah. At, yeah. at the upset end of the table at the end yeah yeah and uh and then dustin hoffman who's also just in a couple of scenes playing that mumbling uh character uh but but they all you know work within the lines of that character and, and her i mean I, I i get the point of getting someone famous or someone that's at the you know, hide of their powers or whatever. But yeah, she does feel like a like she sticks out a little bit too much from the, mm-hmm. from from everyone else at least. Did this scene in the background here remind you of the scene in Batman '89 <laughs> where Joker's holding the meeting with all the mobsters? Like James Caan's delivery of whatever he says, uh, he says like no or no that or he, I'm out. He, I'm out. Yeah, sounds yeah. very like one of the gangsters at the table who dissents against the Joker and then has his throat cut or whatever, his buzzard. Um, right, right. It feels like there, it, feel, it literally just begins to feel like at certain points, 
and I don't even think this is necessarily a bad thing, like Warren Beatty trying to make Batman again. You know, and I, I, I don't think it's necessarily terrible. It's derivative, obviously. But um, anytime you do something, especially if you're somebody with a distinct creative vision, uh, even if you're repeating maybe the same model or mold that somebody else laid out, it's going to wind up different. And it, it is very fun to watch in spite of those, those re repetitive elements, I would say. It feels like, like, um, like an extended universe from Batman. Something mm -hmm. that where they could bring them in maybe in the future or like interact between them, kind of like what the CW did. Uh, because uh, it does feel like a lot of the time, uh, Dick Tracy could fit into that that world. But uh, even though we did see it uh, a couple of weeks ago, the, the original Batman, uh, at no point it felt like it was copying it or it was, um, uh, I guess they just did it really well. Uh, and one of my favorite things was the painted city landscapes that they had and the way that the camera moved to make them kind of look alive, but not really. You can you can see that it's just... Did those work for whatever for, uh, across the board? Because for some, I thought it looked great. And then for other moments, I was like, this this looks like they're just in front of a screen right now, like in a bad way. Kind of similar to when we were watching AI and it was very clear. Everything yeah. looks good. And then you have one thing where it looks like they're in front of a green screen. I had that same thing here, especially at the end where Tess is looking out to like the water or whatever and Dick Tracy's about to join her. And they clearly filmed it by an actual like river or something. Right. And then they just like plopped her in front of the green to, you know, bring in a, a better looking background. Um, so there's some transparent when images like that. When he's running and yeah. then there's a shot when he's he comes and it's just one shot of him. Mm -hmm. He looks like you look like right now. Yeah. Uh, it's <laughs> yes. very, very light at the front. Uh, yeah. But, but uh, for whatever reason, like I, I thought it was a very, not for whatever reason, I thought it was a very creative way of giving like an extra bit of personality to the movie where without that element, it would have, it wouldn't have felt as, as, um, cartoony as it feels i guess because it would it would it, it would feel like it's trying to be taken seriously uh and with this uh it, it kind of drags you into that world of uh you know these are gangsters and this is uh supposed to be something serious that's happening but but it is you know very cartoony and very very much its own thing uh so even though you know the green screen i i i, I like the sets that they constructed with the green mm -hmm. screen because you know when uh, when at times they, they get into a door or whatever, you can see that the rest of it is just a, a giant green screen that they did or whatever. But for the, for, for it being 1990, uh, it has the same thing as uh, AI, where you wouldn't think that the effects from so long ago would look good. Uh, but in this one, for most of the time, uh, you know, that, that didn't really bother me. Uh, I did notice the one that you mentioned, but just like AI, like uh, it, it never really t took me out of the movie. No, I mean, everything yeah. about this movie is extremely artificial on the surface. Like, they don't try to disguise that whatsoever. Like, what, what we were talking about before with the prosthetics uh, on the bad guys and whatnot. They want you to know that you're watching a movie, that you're watching something that is supposed to be deliberately cartoonish. And when we're talking about, um, you know, we're calling them green screens, but it's really projection screens. I don't even think it was blue screen because we would have probably seen particles in the background because they still hadn't mastered that at that point. I mean, I you can watch... Uh, Park Chan-wook's Sympathy for Lady Vengeance, which was 2006. And you can see 
like fading on the sides of her head when there's a background and it's clearly green screen. Um, so for, for this era, yeah, they were doing projection screens still, kind of like when you're in a car okay. and then you just see the. It reminded mm-hmm. me of like 1940 serials. Like I don't, I, I don't know if you've watched the yeah. Batman serials or Captain or just seen like parts of it. That's always what they would rely on for certain shots. Like somebody's hanging off a building or whatever, and then in the background yeah. they're doing that. So it didn't take away from it. It all fit within the same uh, texture that this movie built. And I think remained true to it. So it didn't pull me out at all. It's just something a little jarring that I noticed uh, here and there along mm-hmm. the way. Something I did like as well um, was, again, in the background here, they would light up outside the windows green and red and just, again, try to build that cartoon artificial nature to the movie, which no other comic book property would really, I think, commit to doing that then or even maybe now. Except for, what, like Sin City is probably the closest thing to that. Um, in, yeah. Just in terms of embracing the the actual comic book nature of it. Ang Lee's Hulk, they do the little comic book bubbles and panels, and mm-hmm. it doesn't really, it doesn't work no. for that movie, in my opinion. A lot of people like to pride it for that. But when people do compliment that aspect of that movie, it feels to me like people talking about, oh, what was it? Annabelle creation. Yeah. They really went with a grindhouse feel because <laughs> Mike Flanagan put in like a burn mark on one frame for one second. And there's like n- nothing else that looks or feels vintage about that movie. That's, but this, I mean, clearly they had an idea for what they wanted to do. They executed it. And I think it works exceptionally well. Well, I also wasn't expecting a Warren Beatty movie to look that good. You know, that that's not, uh, the type of movie I was expecting an actor to make. I'm not very familiar with his filmography, but I wasn't expecting to, because uh, there's a lot of really, really nice shots in this movie. Uh, a lot of really nice uh, color combinations and a lot of really nice use of colors and light that you wouldn't expect coming from a, from an actor, especially at that time where visually speaking, you know, uh, it was difficult for, for directors to get creative unless they were, kind of weird or artistic uh so i was very surprised by that and uh I, like I, I don't know if you noticed on on twitter i ended up just posting a bunch of screenshots that i took from sh- shots that i like because uh there's a lot of very different things that he did uh with the movie to give that cartoony effect that you you were saying and mm. uh it worked better than when they try to make it comic because you know it's always difficult to to try to make a book into a movie especially if it's a comic book because of how different the two mediums are, but just by focusing on making the movie cartoony and not so much about making it look like a comic book, uh, it it ended up creating its own thing, and it works perfectly without... Even if there wasn't a a comic book to reference, I guess, uh, this would have worked on its own just because of that effort that that they took uh, extra to do Uh, it as, you know... I completely agree, and as far as, like, Warren Beatty's directing style... um, I think before watching this movie, I had a certain impression of what that might be like. Because I have watched Bullworth, and I have watched... I, I did catch Heaven Can Wait. Oh. Um, yeah, I watched it a long time ago. I watched, I watched it. The rap- yes, where he plays a senator. Oh. He's Joe Biden in that movie. He's the new president. Yeah. Um, I watched that when it came out, when it was on like pay-per-view. Because for whatever reason, the cable box would, would get screwed up from time to time. And you would get to see the paper pay-per-view movies for free on a certain channel. And I think that was one of them. 
I remember watching that when I was like nine years old or something. And then I, I, I believe I went back and rewatched it maybe when I was like 19 or 20 because it was on HBO or whatever. I have no, I have no real opinion about it. That's too far back for me to actually say anything one way or the other about it. Um, well, but I, next I, episode yeah, w- Warren Beatty <laughs> retrospective. Bullworth next. Well, he only has what four movies? One. That's it. Well, two, that's the thing. Three, I thought five. he had a much longer filmography as a director than what he actually has. He only has five movies under his belt, and he, they're actually fairly notable films. Like Heaven Can Wait was a big movie in the. 1970s he co-directed that with buck henry they remade that with chris rock i think like 20 years ago and that was a flop yeah yeah i believe he won best director for reds in 1981 i have not seen reds but uh there was a also some kind of issue with this movie reds that gave him trouble trying to get this movie made at disney and i think this was groomed to be a Disney film for kids, but it just wound up too dark, which is why it's under the touchstone label. Yeah. I, I don't know if you want to make a, a movie about murdering gangsters that kill people by burying them in cement uh, inside of a box for children. I don't know how that would. Well, you got to keep out. in mind 1980s kids movies. I mean, the kinds of kids movies we grew up with were significantly darker and more grounded in the real world than what kids today get. So kids today might get like, uh, I don't know, what was the SpongeBob movie came out eight years ago? That's, that's not for kids. It's, <laughs> that's it's, for stoners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, fair fair point. Now they have uh, like, Soul. Uh, Soul's tiger, the new one, right? Little Tiger and what is it? Char Girl and Tiger what? Girl. What is it? Char Guy and Liver Boy. What is it? I, I what Lava is, Girl. Lava Girl. What is it? Lava Girl and Char the, Boy. Isn't that a thing? Like that was the Robert Rodriguez or... movie. Yeah, yeah, no, no. He's what? A, what is it? We can be heroes. Is the new one on Netflix? That what's his name? DJ Fitzgerald in the group just decided to watch. <laughs> I'm never watching that movie. I don't know why he would watch that. Anyway, kind of weird. Kind of weird that guy. I don't want to. <laughs> I, I I'd rather not frame the discussion around that. He's just a movie fanatic. That's all. DJ <laughs> Jerry watched Cutie, so you know what? That's not the worst offense. Um, yeah, that, that's the typical fare of today. And also like adults aren't even used to having like characters face consequences in movies, given that everything, everything in the real, real world is echoing Marvel films. You know, everything is the Avengers Endgame. Everything is Civil War. Everything is Iron Man 2, Whiplash with Mickey Rourke. That's, uh, that's Clarence Thomas is Whiplash, Mickey Rourke. That's, uh, that's, uh, Bill Clinton, you know? So, yeah. Anyway, what was the point I was trying to make here? Brave Little Toaster. Uh, that was a dark kids movie. That was good. That was good. That was a, yeah. You know what I didn't like? I didn't like the hipster again. resurgence of that movie 25 years after the fact where Brave Little Toaster became a thing at Hot Topic in 2008. That's what I don't like. Oh, wow. I wasn't even, wasn't even aware of that thing. Yeah. There was a goth cool. kid who smoked weed at the library who would wear a Brave Little Toaster sweater. It made me sick. <laughs> Hated scarf. that guy. His name was Petey. <laughs> Fucking freak. His stupid braces and his haircut. Dumb. Dumb yeah. kid, too. Not a smart kid at all. He had learning disabilities or whatever, but he was still co- considered cool by the group. And I remember he, he was straight edge, so he would put the X's on his hands. And I remember oh, there'd be a party, and he would always be like, we'd be like, all right, so you guys going to get the, the run tonight? You're going to go get the Mike's Hard Lemon, whatever we were drinking at the time. 
and he would be like, I'll bring the monster. Like monster energy drink. Fucking hated this kid. I hope oh, he's dead. God. I know he went oh. overseas to fight in the war. I hope he I, I don't know, I shouldn't say. <laughs> but uh this movie Dick Tracy. I thought those monster Mountain Dew people were a meme. I didn't know they were real. Oh, they are very real. They are very real. They're not they're now kind of like ironic about it. But back in twenty twelve, back in two thousand eight they were a problem. All this to say, you know, Watership Down was a kids' movie too. A bunch of those rabbits got murdered in that. You ever see, you ever see Watership Down? No. What is it? That's a good one. That's a good animated movie about a bunch of rabbits getting hunted. Isn't there an animated movie about the Hiroshima and Nagasaki bombing? This is like an anime where there's a little girl that burns or whatever. No. That yeah no no that's um oh geez. That is actually, I I think I know what you're talking about. There's a classic like Studio Ghibli anime about that, and I don't even think it's Studio Ghibli. I think it's Something like of the, the same people who work there. I think it was called the, Grave of the Fireflies. Fireflies, yeah, that's that's something like that. I yeah, might not have yeah, the title exactly correct, but yeah, it's about the Japanese Holocaust or something, right? Or it's about Hiroshima and Nagasaki or something. Mm-hmm. And a little girl cries while she burns. That's, Why did we? <laughs> that's a frequent topic you know it's kind of crazy how they they, you know it took them like 40 50 years to get over that and like americans got over 9 11 within like three years people were like yeah i mean they were right uh, we were wrong we shouldn't we shouldn't have done this or that (laughs) you know they got they immediately just started apologizing (laughs) for for 9 11 happening to us do you think that's how Japan feels about Hiroshima and Nagasaki? They're like, you know what? They were right. We attacked them first. <laughs> they destroyed that part of the country. It's still kind of fucked up. There's, but, I, I talk know. about this. I have this new show that you know about, but I'm going to act like you don't know about this for the sake of uh, natural dialogue here. This new show, After Dark, coming out in March, where oh. I talk about House. Yeah. It's, What's uh, that about? It's, uh, well, I'm going to be talking about It's kind of like this show, where I'm going to be talking about niche films from the 20th century that were influential or so you just, had, wanted to get, you just wanted to get rid of me because I'm weeding one. you out as soon as it's just going to be oh, after okay. dark. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. So uh, I'm going to be talking about house and something that I get into is how something similar to that did happen in Japan. Not, not like here though, where they become obsessed with it. And it is, you know, integrated into the culture that becomes such a, a a frequent thing that is used in their media for understandable reasons. Um, and it's not like it, it it's not something that's framed as them being like we deserve this. Everything we did led up to this. Not like America. Um, it's but it, they still become extremely influenced by Western culture, and it changes everything in the 20th century. Um, I, I think that's a big tipping point into that and how a lot of the priorities of Japan as a country wound up changing. I don't, I don't know too much about it to speak, uh, on that with authority, but if you take a look at, uh, pre-World War II Japan and, and what you have now, I mean, really with any country, it's not really saying much, but just, just like, um, the structure of it and the values are radically different from one another. Yeah. It's like if you think about Germany pre-Hitler and post-Hitler, you know, obviously it got mm. better. Uh, mm. So we should just <laughs> be thankful 
for the fact that you know horrible things happen, but hey, look at them now, right? Look They're at doing them great. Now. Are they doing great? What's going on? <laughs> I don't know. I I know nothing about Germany really. All, yeah, I, I should because of my background. You are. But you're I named agree. Hans. Yes, you should. You should yeah. be the foremost ex- expert on this subject, but you're not. Can you ask your father? Can you look in your father's books in his attic? <laughs> No, you can only find old history in those books. Ah. The good days, you know, the good times. The good old when days, were... yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Dick Tracy, did you know that they were, He, I mean, Warren Beatty is still somebody who is active, selectively active in Hollywood. Uh, it seems like he just has the ability to show up at a studio anytime he wants and can say, yeah, so I'm going to make this movie with your money. And that's how it's going to happen. This was apparently the thing with Bullworth or with um, his most recent one, which was 2016, had Ansel Elgort and some young actress Rules in it. Apply. Rules don't apply, which swept Lily Collins. It, Lily Collins. All right. It, it was uh, swept under the rug seemingly immediately because he's reached the point where he can't play like the older guy who woos the young girl like he does in all his movies because he's right. very old now. He's like 80 years old. You know, and I think that's a similar role to what he plays. Kind of like um, Woody Allen had a movie around that same time uh, that was essentially a, a clone of this. And it might have also had Ansel Elgort in it. Maybe somebody else where it's Steve Carell wooing. Uh, oh, not not Ansel Elgort. It's Jesse Eisenberg and I think Kristen Stewart for like the third or fourth time. They're, they're partnered up in a movie. And Steve Carell comes in and, uh, you know, steals her away temporarily. It's oh, one of those types um, of movies. They love well, yeah, making it. Yes. American, American Ultra. Yes, yeah. Right? Uh, Adventure <laughs> yeah. Land 3. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but one of the things that I was surprised uh, about this movie is that, um, like, uh, especially after saying that it looks like it could have been the original oh. What? Your connection just stuttered there. Want to re- just repeat your last sentence? You're good, though. You're good. <clears throat> yeah, that one of the things that surprised me the most, especially when you think about this be- being maybe a kid's movie, is how violent it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though you don't really see a lot of blood, there, you see a lot of deaths. And there, there's one scene that was particularly funny to me because of how over the top it was, which was when when the bad guys are going to come out of a, a garage and there's four cars, so they have to come out one by one. And then there's Zick Tracy with a machine gun and the cops outside waiting for them to come out. And then as soon as they come out, they just bullets, like a hundred bullets each car and they all die. And yeah. Dick Tracy's like, yeah, there's explosions behind him and everything. He's just murdering them in cold blood. Uh, and then we just move on. Oh, hey, we got him. You know, like nothing, just this is supposed to happen. Uh, and uh, I, I enjoyed that a lot. I enjoyed how far they went with, with that uh, noir violence. It's because, it, well, here's here's why that has changed. It's because I think audiences are tired by, or, or uh, they, they feel kind of um, exhausted by the idea of strictly good and bad characters, right? I think they prefer looking at characters in shades of gray which is why we have a successful Joker movie where he's a bad guy, but it's also not entirely his fault that he's the crazy, insane murderer that he winds up being. Uh, that, that, that's definitely taken precedent in um, recent days. 
is uh, seeing these characters who have some sort of internal struggle that they're not just um, reliant on goodness being their their prime motivator, like we have with Dick Tracy here, um, or somebody being laughably evil, like Al Pacino is in this movie. Even though he's framed at the very end, he didn't do it, but he just escalates it even worse. He does himself no favors whatsoever. He actually does kidnap her and gets ready to kill her as if that's going to solve something. <laughs> I don't I don't understand what his plan here is in the third act yeah. where he gets framed for kidnapping. And he's like, oh, oh, no, no, no. I didn't do this. I didn't. I, we got to get her out of here. Actually, you know what? I'm going to tie her to some gears and watch her head get crushed. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's like, don't get me for this. I didn't do this, but I am about to kill her. Yes. I'm, I'm going to uh... kill her, but I didn't do what just led up to this. You're going to watch. But really, I'm innocent here. So that was really clunky. That ending that, yeah, that yeah. was very, I, I, I was expecting a little bit more, uh, maybe not so such a direct confrontation, I guess, because at one point it became like, you know, the Tracy started punching him or whatever. And they did a really funny thing uh, on purpose, which is just speed up the footage. So it looked like a three stooges fight scene mm -hmm. uh, where he was punching him. They just like sped it up for a couple of seconds. Uh, but I mean, I guess I, I don't know what I was expecting because uh, it, the look of it, it does look like kind of like a similar look from that last fight in the Batman movie. But He dies the same no. way as Joker. He falls off the... Yeah. He just topples over, and that's that's the yeah. end of him. Um, yeah, it, 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 it wants to be Batman so bad. But I, you know, I, I keep <laughs> saying that like it's, a, like it's a fault of it, but I actually do think it's to the benefit of the movie. So, yeah, I mean, we have every villain dies in this film that's something you don't really see nowadays and to what you were saying before about dick tracy just shooting up uh uh what's his name flathead and the, the other gang member and prune face all these guys die violent deaths people would not really stand to watch iron man blast a, a fucking uh bullet into what's his back jeff bridge's head you know if that was going right. to happen in a modern superhero comic book film they like you know they see that, and that that that's kind of like a a dichotomy, right? Where they like the gray of the hero, but they actually don't want any real bad in that. In right. that, yeah, you know, they don't want they don't want bullets. They they want lasers because lasers feel like it would hurt, but it's not a bloody mess. So mm -hmm. you might be dead, but it's like a laser. So it's whatever. It's not yeah. close to they reality. They grew up with the cartoon rules, bullets. where you would watch like Spider Man yeah. in the '90s, and nobody had a real gun. All the cops had laser guns. And, you know, you yeah. wouldn't die from it. You just get, you know, pushed back Taste. a little bit. You have a little burn on your chest. <laughs> yeah. That's all, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really Same do think... Wars, you know, I, all the weapons in Star Wars, unless it's uh, the lightsaber or every every other uh, gun or machine gun, whatever they have, it's just like a pew. Yep. You know, like a little, ah, and yeah. you're dead. I think that Here. 90s cartoons <laughs> just melt, melted. guns. The brains yeah. of, of, of modern audiences. Like, I don't even know if it's really Marvel is to blame. I really think that the animation that came out of the 90s, in, and specifically, like, superhero shows. I'm not talking about, like, Nickelodeon or Cartoon Network. Uh, was the layup to everything that we have today. Because they try to emulate a lot of what was already existing in those things. That's where everybody's taste comes from now. Well, even something like... Um biker mice from mars mm -hmm. or dinosaurs or cops or you know uh centurions or those cartoons from those shows even though they were violent most of the times the violence was either you know 
robots shooting each other or an explosion or, you know, a missile or something like that. So it was never anything that you would see any of them suffering, really. They were, they were usually just explode or, or just die off camera or whatever. So you never get to see the violence. So, yeah, to, to your point, uh, it's very likely that even though, you know, because they were supposed to be cartoons for boys, right? But you can't really get violent. So they were cool and they would have gadgets and everything would be modern and awesome. But you never really see anyone dying. They just disappear. Right. So uh, just to get back to rules don't apply in 2016, did you know that Warren Beatty, you know, he's been teasing. He's like, maybe I'll put on the, uh, you know, the yellow trench coat again. Maybe I'll put on the yellow hat again. Uh, He wants to do a sequel. I was thinking about that. I was honestly thinking about that when I was watching. I was like, it's been 30 years now. What? I mean, hey, listen, people weren't expecting Michael Keaton to put the, the Batman suit back on. I certainly wasn't. As of like 1997, I was like, well, he's done. 2007, unfathomable. He's too old. Now we're in 2021. People are like, yeah, I want an 80-year-old Batman. Could we see 80-year-old Warren Beatty, Dick Tracy, and 70-year-old sagging Madonna come back? Even though she dies, you know, they would have to bring her back. You got to bring back Al Pacino, now pushing 90, back. Because we don't see that he's dead. He's just, he fell, you know? There could have been one floor. Well, I guess you could do it if you bring back, and I had to look this guy up because I recognize his face, but not his name, Charlie Corsmo, the kid. You would have to do something like that where he plays. But what does he even look like now, you know? He looks the exact same, you know? according to Google. Oh, anyway. really? If you, if you take a look, look, yeah. If I, I Look, he might be on meth or something. I'm pretty sure if you Google Corey Feldman, they're going to show you something from like 2003 where he looks almost normal and not like the pale, gaunt vampire he became. Uh, but from what I saw on Google Image, he looks like a like a grown version of that kid. So, I guess that's one way of doing it. But but here's the thing: it wouldn't be I... him. It would be Elijah Wood. It would be uh, maybe Shia LaBeouf if he wasn't facing charges right now. It would be somebody. It would be Timothy Chalamet. DJ there you Quails. go. Do you remember DJ Quails? Yes, I do. That man is yeah. like fifty years old. That would not work. <laughs> He still looks the same, though. Just dry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's just very just sucked out of life. Uh, I I hope not. I hope he... This is going to sound harsh, but I hope he doesn't make it to the point where he sees that come to life. (laughs) I don't want to see an 80-year-old Big Tracy trying to be hard with, like, dementia on screen. You know? And it's, it's not that I feel any type of connection to this property or anything, because I don't, but... I just hate how we're at a point now where they're starting reviving everything again. Uh, so now it's things from the 90s. Now we're past the 80s thing. So now we've moved on to 90s properties. And it's something that, you know, it did make a lot of money, this thing. But Dick Tracy is not really a property that anyone talks about at all now, you know? No, I think it's better uh, left as just the one obscure 1990 yeah. film. Uh, I, but I, yeah. I, you know what? When we take a look at the Marvel slate, because Disney does own this, I'm I'm fairly certain they still own it. You take a look at what they're going to be doing. Uh, I don't know how WandaVision is performing on streaming, but it seems like the audience reception of that is very lukewarm. The critics are trying to hype it up. Was it Movie Bob said it was Lynchian? He said it was Marvel <laughs> hauling drive. Oh, man, he's a regular Gene Shalit, that Movie Bob. But... You take a look at their films. They have like the China market one, the Kung Fu guy who's 
a very like unknown character from the 70s they just dug out that's gonna be like the first one the first one that they're gonna yeah, yes. Hong Kong food. Oh, I would see that. I would be up for that. That'd I would love to see a Hong Kong food. Or, Here's what uh, they're going to do. What is it? Quick draw? Quick draw McGraw? And quick Kong draw McGraw. Yeah, hell yeah. What they're going to do <laughs> is they're going to do the Dick Tracy Rocketeer universe. They're going to bring back all the characters they tried out in the 90s and mm-hmm. met with uh, either critical or box office failure and merge them. What was that cartoon? Was it Defenders of the Universe or whatever, which was the Phantom, Flash Gordon? Uh, I think one of those two that you mentioned, it was a cartoon from the 80s. So they did do like a team up uh, that I guess will work when you talk about movies that, I mean, cartoons that were made into movies because Flash Gordon has a couple. They could do Flash Gordon because they bought Fox. Flash Gordon uh, was a 1980 movie with Max von Sydow and Dolph Lundgren, right? Yeah. Or no, was it? Yeah. No, that was Masters but it, but, of the Universe. But it, also, but it also has no. I think isn't. I get Dolph, Flash Gordon and uh, and He Man mixed up all the time for whatever reason, and they're nothing alike. Uh, they're kind of similar. <laughs> they're kind of like operage space thing. No, uh, Lundgren is not on Flash Gordon, but I can completely see why you would think. He would be because he looks like he would be in this in this type of movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, apparently there was a remake in the works with Taka Waititi. Oh, that'll be great. Ah, he's great. I love him. He's a visual mastermind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. You, hey, uh, you want to see something? Gordon. These scissors here, I'd rather jam them into the back of my throat before I ever watch anything of Taika Waititi's. <laughs> That's my stance on him. I think he's extremely overrated. He was a very funny director. I used to talk to him, as a matter of fact, when he wasn't so famous. We we had conversations in the past when he was doing Boy the Movie. And, uh, you know, he's a big shot now. He's a big shot who makes very sterile, very boring movies. Well, that comes with success, right? He was able to do whatever he wanted with his early movies. He got the son of... Rambo, is that no? That's not his. Son of Rambo is not his, right? No, 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 no. 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 Uh, the bunny one, the Hitler bunny one, and then you got what we do in the shadows, right? Yeah, I, 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 my my complaint is mainly with his choice of just sticking with Disney and deciding to do okay. everything corporate that already exists. Like they, they, I think they contracted him for Star Wars as well. Now, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not interested in seeing any of those. I actually thought Jojo Rabbit wasn't a bad movie. Uh, the show I was talking about is Defenders of the Earth. It was Flash Gordon, the Phantom, and Mandrake the Magician. Mandrake. You remember Mandrake the Magician? How about Mandum? You ever see the yeah. Mandum commercials with Charles Bronson? Mandum? No. Well, no. I looked up some of these because Nabiko Obiashi directed a few, and they are really something. Okay. His barrel chest, he's throwing things up, in, he's throwing his shirt up in the air, and then you know, putting Mandem, which I guess is like a cologne or something on, on his body. Very sensual. Very sensual Charles Bronson. Is it a Japanese cologne or something? Do they even wear cologne? Mandem. What is Mandem? I think it's a, it's either like a deodorant powder or it's a cologne. Because I, all I remember sure. is sure. It, it was a very, uh, yeah, it's a very, very low quality commercial that was uploaded to YouTube. But it's actually, it's very entertaining. Um, and it was a Japanese product, but it's in English. It has an English voiceover. They wanted it to feel American. Mandem. Right. So they hire the director of 
of yeah. House. Yes. Yeah. No, it might it might have been before House because he was a commercial <laughs> director before House. But uh, okay. yes. Well, I mean, they wanted House to feel American too. That was supposed to be Haunted House Jaws. Anyway, <clears throat> Dick Tracy too. Something to look look forward to. Warren Beatty. Warren Beatty's strategically staying out of the public eye. Oh, you know what? He also directed, he secretly directed a movie, Robert Downey Jr. And I think Molly Ringwald might've been in it in the 1980s called Pickup Artist. Did you ever see the Pickup Artist? No. Secretly directed? He secretly directed it. He did not put his name on it. Another, he didn't do an Alan Smithy. Some other director is named for the, uh, you know, he has ownership of the film. But it was really a Warren Beatty film. I only What's know about this. I think it's called The Pickup Artist with Robert Downey Jr. I might have the title wrong. If there's a movie that exists with that title, it's probably that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. Directed by James Toback. James Toback? He's a, but he's a well-known director. Yeah. Okay. Did Warren That's Beatty produce says. it or something then? Uh... Yeah, executive producer. Okay, all right. So he was calling the shots. That that's really what was happening there. It was, as we right. mentioned many times, the Spielberg Hooper deal. So, but James Toback is like I don't know. That that's kind of funny. Hmm. You think he'll come back? He got me too hardcore back in twenty seventeen. James Toback? Yeah. I'm not even familiar with his work to be honest. He's he's he was he a very well regarded screenwriter and director. And then he got me too because he would go to bars and like coerce women very aggressively into going home with him. Have you seen what he looks like? <laughs> yes, he looks like David Guest. He looks like Liza Minnelli's ex-husband. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess you would have to coerce someone really hard for them to go home with you. I guess. I don't know. I'm not familiar with his work at all. I he's the the guy that did the Tyson documentary. Apparently, that's the only thing that I've seen that he he's done. So didn't even know his of his existence before this. But maybe he'll come back. I don't know. Maybe to answer he'll your come question. Back. Who do you who do you think the first big one to get me to will, will be? Who comes back? Because I feel like I I think a lot of people assumed it was going to be Louis, right? But Louis is a coward. And now we're at a point where I would fault the people who get me to'd more than the angry mob for killing their own careers because you got to have the courage to come back and louis hasn't really done that he has stayed away and he quietly releases yeah. his specials and he thinks that's going to do him good now it might do him good a lot of people did talk about that special when he dropped it but what do you who's, think who's, he should do is start a youtube channel <laughs> i don't know honestly i don't know i would i would i would be if he hasn't been thinking of a, a an alternative uh venue to navigate to keep himself relevant making money in return so he's not just some freak so he's not known as some masturbating creepy freak some fat freak who likes to jerk off in front of women um then he has to have a plan and i don't know if he does have a plan it seems like he's resigned himself to failure who was who was canceled last year that would have a chance of coming back chris delia no, he's over. He played a trans lady in some Netflix movie. Did you see that? No. After the no. Me Tooing, the movie came out and they didn't really give it the, you know, the press that it might have gotten otherwise. But he plays a trans woman in that. Great. I'm sure it's very um, respectful, a very respectful, no cartoonish performance at all. I, very some, somber. 
I've I've heard that he's the best part of that, and uh, it was okay. not a good movie. That's what I've heard. So I, I've been thinking so a lot think about he's gonna that. Get the, he's going to get the Jared Leto and uh, Dallas Buyers Club treatment. Like I think that. he was going no. for it at the time. I think he was going for that, or maybe like he was hoping to get a who's like a comedian who became an action star, like a Kevin Hart style uh, comeuppance in that Zack Snyder. Army of the Dead movie before they replaced him with Tig Notaro, dried out Tig Notaro. How useless do you have to be in a film to get replaced by Tig Notaro? Especially if you're supposed to be what a soldier, right? Yeah. Tig Notaro is gonna yeah. Uh, Oof. I I I I don't know who else actors. I mean, Cena State's coming back, right? They yes. were canceled. Yes, they were canceled, uh, and they they have taken an interesting turn. We'll see how that goes. Uh, I've been thinking about the Me Too stuff a lot lately uh, because I'm being blackmailed. I'm being blackmailed by uh, no, I'm kidding. I've been watching Cosby on Amazon Prime, the 1990s Cosby Show, which is very enjoyable. I watched it as a kid because that's just what my parents watched. They were a CBS household, so I'd get that. Everybody loves Raymond. And, uh, you know, I not really Becker, but I actually like Becker the most. Discovered that later. Becker's pretty good. Becker, Becker was Be- great. Becker's good so, for a sitcom? A, a, yeah. He had a, a blind black friend, right? Yes. Yes, that show was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, just Ted Danson being an asshole to people as a doctor, just criticizing their health. It's How can you go wrong with that? Um, this Cosby yeah. show is actually very good, and it's on Amazon, at least the first season. And they bring back his wife just- and Madeline Kahn and Dougie Doug. It's it's a pretty solid show. It's a remake of uh, One Foot in the Grave, the UK sitcom. But with is this where they dance at the beginning, or is that the old one? That's the old one. Where they're doing oh, okay, you know, the hand gestures and stuff. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember the 1990s one. Then <clears throat> I'm sure I've seen it, but I guess we just got it, you know, reruns of the of the classic one instead. It was not the cultural phenomenon the the original Cosby Show was. So the original Cosby show ran from 84 to, I think, 89, and it was like the it was huge. It was like, uh, you know, it was one of the most popular sitcoms for the time. It might have been one of the more popular shows in general. And then in the late 90s, you know, he was doing Kids Say the Darndest Things, and then he got this Cosby show on CBS. And then, you know, things got dark after that. They were actually, I, well, I that believe. Show, that show was so. Oh, go ahead. The go show ahead. was so big that he was able to get away with a lot of, you know things for a long time (laughs) yes well i i don't even know if it's necessarily that i think that plays a part but i also feel like in the 1970s 1960s 1980s uh people did not consider date rape like a heinous crime i think that's the unspoken truth of it is it was probably like a quirky oh don't go home with that guy that you know don't take a drink from that guy you know what he's up to I mean, what, what was the band? Well, Sublime was Spanish joking about. Fly. Yes, he had the Spanish fly bit. He, so he outed himself he back in the sixties. You right. hear that bit, and it's just everyone in the crowd is laughing. Uh, so, so he, I think, I guess it was seen as like a, well, if this happens, it's your fault. Hey, you, you, you showed up at that <laughs> diner. Happens. You took that Coca Cola. Yeah. You, you knew what you were doing. <laughs> He's your boyfriend. <laughs> No, yeah, I'm I'm fairly certain you can still buy Spanish fly at porn shops today. So I remember living in the states and going to public toilets and seeing them on those machines, like Spanish fly, whatever. I never knew what it was, but I just remember like seeing them on those little condom machines. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess what it does is just it, it's kind of like what like MD, where it, where it 
elevates your whatever right i i think it, i think it um i think it is like uh like ecstasy where it just heightens your your sensitivity to things and then probably uh makes you woozy or knocks you out i don't yeah, know i don't yeah. know i don't buy that i don't i don't do things like that i wouldn't know yeah but right. we do know we have that's a mutual right. friend who worked at a porn shop and did sell those yeah. things to creepy guys and then used it for material much them. later on i don't know if he used them i hope not I mean, I've... Uh, anyway, so Cosby, I don't remember who we're talking about. <laughs> oh, you know, you know, you do know, do you I? love this guy. Okay. You love him. Right. You adore this okay. man. But um, maybe he difficult. Maybe he likes to play dress up from time to time. I don't know. Um, but Cosby, the show from the 90s, very good. And they were actually going to bring back Cosby. They were going to give him a sitcom literally right before Hannibal Burris opened his big mouth and said, hey, Google oh, wow. Bill Cosby rape. That's all it took. What was the show going to be called? Milky Eyes? <laughs> the return I saw a Bill Cosby performed live like the year after he got, I mean, before he got Me Too'd, right before. And yeah, he was, uh, he was actually very funny. Uh, he was aggressive. He was attacking members of the audience. He was a very like <laughs> old, angry Bill Cosby, which was hilarious. Um, so, but yeah, he was not very visually, not ready for camera. I'll, I'll tell you that right now. That, that would have been a terrifying sitcom. That would have been like Twin Peaks season four if you gave him something with those, those eyes. Why is he why is his face drooping and falling? Yeah, falling off. Why is his eyes not? He looks like a blind fucking dog. I googled. I googled Bill because I, I wanted to see if he was still in prison. He is still in prison. He's going to remain in prison for a little bit. Uh, but I googled what is Bill Cosby up to, and the most recent headline was like Bill Cosby smiles in his most recent mugshot, and it's terrifying. Oh, yeah. It is horrifying. He's just, <laughs> just he's got his head down and he's smiling and his eyes are all fucked up. Holy shit! That yeah, that looks like a homeless man that they just rescued. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you pull it up. That is horrifying. I mean, the people. I'm not to gonna say. This. I'm not gonna say. You know, they feel for him because obviously what he did is horrendous. But <laughs> duck. He looks like he looks like that Eddie Murphy character from SNL. Which is Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Yes. Yeah. Oh man. That is that is terrible. Good. You could go on any street <laughs> corner around here and see that man. There's nothing to distinguish that that Bill Cosby and anyone in the state of New York. Ah oh, man, what a shame. What a crying shame. That Bill Cosby did so much good for the community. And then this is the fate that he succumbs to in the end. Because of all his indulgences over forty years of being America's top comic. Very unfortunate. Well, let's we should review Bill Cosby himself, the stand-up special from just the eighties. No, just, let's just review his movie career. Ghost Dad, you could do Ghost. I, I, you know what? I, I found the trailer to last night after watching Cosby was The Devil and Max Devlin. Could Elliot Gould and Bill Cosby? We could watch that. Looks terrible. Oof. He plays the devil it in sounds, that. It sounds not great. Oh, look! Uh, apparently, uh, the Reverend. <laughs> Reverend uh, Jesse Jackson said that uh, he's 84 and blind. Who's he going to hurt? He should be home and free away from all, all of those germs. Uh, yeah, I mean, who's he going to hurt? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
well, Jesus fuck. Goddamn. Uh, I do feel like on pri- I, but here's the thing, on principle, like the most heinous criminals, somebody who boiled a baby in in hot water. Like if they're 85 years old, should they really be in prison? Like that's my stance. Like kill them or or bail them out. That's what I say. Kill them or let them go free. And you should probably kill them. You should probably kill them while they're yeah, young and have all their life ahead of them. And they're thinking of themselves, oh, damn, I just ruined everything for myself. Not 85 and like, oh, boy, another free lunch. What is that, a roach? I love is that, that a roach in my I... mashed potatoes? Oh, well, I only got four more years left. I love that his Instagram account, Bill Cosby's account, has just become an ad page. Uh, it's like, it's Tasty Tuesday, and whether you crave an Italian hoagie or Philly cheesesteak, Primo's is my place. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Are you serious? For for prison. Yeah, I knew that. I knew the, that the Twitter account was still active and talking like uh, talking about Joe Biden and America's healing or whatever. But I didn't know that there were ads being run on his Instagram account. That's that's gold. Yeah. All right, all right. This, uh, this whole past half hour has been Bill Cosby chat. So why don't we just wrap up Dick Tracy, yeah, yeah. Dick Tracy here. Cause we do have that meeting coming up and my, my supper has long gotten cold because it was all not right. prepared so, in an efficient time. So why don't we break for like 20 minutes? We'll hop back on and we will talk hopefully some brighter prospects for 2021 dark bleak future. Also, we, don't we have that meeting in like, 15 minutes ago that's what i'm saying 15 minutes from now eight th- okay. we'll say 8 30 let's say 8 30 all right that's been movies for this week thank you for listening and go please... watch it by the way go go watch dick tracy it's really good it is really it's... good <laughs> yeah that's it <laughs> i don't okay. think we said we say we said that but yeah go watch it it's, it's good it's a very fun movie i enjoyed it uh i gave it my full attention and i did not regret Losing 90 Minutes to Warren Beatty's Dick Tracy. All right, that has been Movies for this week. Thank you for listening.